as a rural person myself all my life, I get a little bit tired about how the media only really talks about rural Australia when there's a bushfire, when there's a drought, when there's a mouse plague, you know, there's so much talent out here. It just grew so quickly and it grew because Nathan hopped in there and then Nathan invited all his friends and then his friends invited their friends and their friends invited their friends. Like it was basically the community aspect of it. We want to be a household name, Nathan, basically. Everyone knows who Amazon is. I want everyone to know who Spend With Us is. Welcome to Add to Cart, Australia's leading e-commerce podcast that express delivers all you need to know in the fast-moving world of online retail. Every week, Nathan Bush from eSuite and an e-commerce industry expert will share the news, research and insights that you need to know to keep you at the top of your game. And of course, keep your customers adding to cart. Hello and welcome to Add to Cart. My name is Nathan Bush, host of Add to Cart and director at e-commerce talent agency eSuite. Now, just over a quarter of Aussies live in a rural area. But it's what's going on in our cities that is often talked about. Until, that is, something goes wrong our bush and we hear about the devastating effects events like fires and droughts can have. My guests today are on a mission to readdress this balance and lift up small businesses in rural communities. Jen and Sarah are co-founders of Spend With Us. It's an online shopping marketplace and directory for rural and regional small businesses of Australia who may have taken a hit from bushfires, drought and coronavirus. What a combo. Sarah is a web designer and she's built a website to help bush businesses as they struggled with adversity. Meanwhile, Jen, with her marketing background, was growing a community with her Facebook group called Buy From A Bush Business. They both joined forces and Spend With Us was born. The marketplace showcases a rich crop of talents that operate in the bush with over a thousand businesses listed, selling everything from fashion to art to food to drink. You can even book accommodation. In this chat, Jen and Sarah share how they keep on top of both sets of UX, both from their sellers and their customers. They also give us the ingredients that go into a super successful Facebook group. We're talking 340,000 people and how all they want is to be as much of a household name as Amazon. It's a little ambitious goal. I like it. All right. So thanks to our partners, Shopify Plus and Signet, here's our conversation with Jen Donovan and Sarah Britz from Spend With Us. Jen and Sarah, welcome to Add to Card. Thank you. This is exciting. It is exciting. Jen, I'm a bit envious of your podcast setup. You are running three podcasts at the moment. I'm running one. How do you do it? Uh, I'm a bit insane, I think, to be totally honest with you, Nathan. Look, two of them are seasonal. One is uh, twice a week. So really, there's not three every week. There's just really one every week. And the other two are seasonal. So yeah, works well. I get to talk to the most amazing people just like you do. Isn't it great? I love it. I love it for that reason. I started this up when I took a long contract when I was consulting and I was like, what's the best way to stay in touch with the best people in e-commerce. I was like, start a podcast. You get to speak to new people every week. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's brilliant. Well done. All right, guys. We are here to talk about Spend With Us. Can you give us the background on what you've created and how you came up with the idea? 
So um, I came up with the idea back in um, January 2020 when the bushfires were happening. Um, I realized that there was um, like a real need for these small businesses in these bushfire affected towns to be able to get online and sell their products when people couldn't get to them because you know, um, roads were closed and um, they had to shut up shop. So some of us started up just as a market online marketplace where these small businesses from these bushfire affected towns could go online really easily because none of them had very good technical experience and they could create a website store within five minutes sell their products and you know people from across Australia could find their products and their business and support them and then it's grown since then you know I connected with a psychologist um, Lauren Haightley and um, when the bushfires were on because she was supporting a lot of Victorian small businesses at the time and um, and then we connected with Jen who had started the Buy From Bush Business Facebook group and you know, we now support you know over I think 1,200 small businesses on our marketplace and, you know, um, businesses from all over and rural and regional Australia. And the Facebook group's got um, 340,000 members plus in it. So, yeah. You said um, that quick. 340,000 members. Just just brush over that little fact. (laughs) Now, obviously, the, the bushfires, they feel like such a long time ago. We've been through a few things since then. But what's changed for you guys since then? Has the purpose and the mission stayed the same since starting it up in response to the bushfires? Yeah, it really has. And I guess, you know, wind the clock back just a little bit, like buy from a bush business came out of a drought. I'm a farmer's wife or a farmer. We knew what drought looked like and it was the same sort of principle as Sarah wanted to support people. But, you know, you look at the crops now and it's a little bit hard to believe that two Christmases ago we were so drought stricken, but it has. Our principles have stayed the same. Who we want to support stays the same. At the end of the day, I guess, um, you know, as a rural person myself all my life, I get a little bit tired about how the media only really talks about rural Australia when there's a bushfire, when there's a drought, when there's a mouse plague, you know. And it's just like there's so much talent out here. There's so many amazing small business owners that just weren't getting the recognition, couldn't get the traction online. So that's kind of our mission and has always been our mission. And and it has, we've had a lot of, well, not a lot, we have had pushback, Nathan, from people going, but all small businesses are hurting because of the C word. And, you know, why can't you open it up to everybody? But it's like, well, we would love to, but we can't. These are our philosophies. These are our business values. So we've stuck to them. But at times, Sarah and I have had that conversation of, can we? Could we start another thing that, you know, was like, no, no, we can't. No. (laughs) (laughs) Simply because we are two of us and we both have separate businesses. This is our side hustle that's taken over our life type of thing. But yeah, we have really tried to stay in that rural and regional people that live there. Live I was, and I was business there. literally talking to someone this morning, a founder who started a side hustle and now has three businesses that has <laughs> gone from side hustles to three businesses and taken over their life. It's funny how they do that. Yeah. Yeah. Side hustles are thirsty. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. So can you tell us, Sarah, from your point of view, have you always had that connection to the bush as well? Or to rural, um, rural Australia? Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. Like I live on a rural property on the central coast in New South Wales. So you know, when the bushfires were happening, it was um, happening you know, all around me as well. So that's what made me want to do something to give back and try and help um, small businesses that I saw were really suffering at the times. Yeah. 
And Jen, you mentioned there that you are staying true to the Rural Australia purpose. What qualifies someone as Rural Australia? How do you put the boundaries around it? Yeah, look, the boundaries are really hard to put around it and it's something we have struggled with. Um, I struggled with when I started the Facebook group, when we joined together to become the business we are today. It's kind of something we have been struggled with, but we've come up with, you know, you have to be somewhere that's under 100,000 in population. Uh, You've got to have under 20 employees because that's what the law classifies as a small business. Then there is the exceptions of people who have been drought affected. So, you know, some of the bigger towns around New South Wales and Queensland were, you know, stricken by drought. So we've kind of, you know, bent the rules a little bit for them and 50 kilometres away from a a city. And it's not a CBD because these cities are very big these days and rather sprawled. So 50 k's away from basically from being able to access the things that rural people can't. Life is like a box of chocolates. Try not to get squished. This was vitally important for boutique chocolatier Little Coco, who were using polystyrene boxes with frozen gel packs to make sure their amazing products arrived in tip-top shape. But when Signet introduced them to their own foil-insulated mailer, they bounced on over, reducing their packaging costs by 50% and maintaining 100% non-squashed chocolate customer satisfaction. That's very smooth. Visit signet.net.au forward slash blog to find out more. So if we're talking about e-commerce in particular for regional Australian businesses, you mentioned some of the technical limitations that you've come up against. What are some of the other differentiators for rural or regional businesses trying to go online versus more metro? Yeah, because we don't deal with metro businesses. I don't think we know the exact answer to this. But what Sarah and I both found, me, you know, starting a Facebook group dealing with drought-affected businesses, Sarah, you know, starting an online marketplace for uh, bushfire-affected businesses, is these people weren't online. At the end of the day, a lot of rural businesses weren't online. They were really still relying on that foot traffic and especially the tourism traffic as well. Some of the most successful businesses I still know now in my small town still aren't online. They are still a pure bricks and mortar business. Like They use social media, but not actually an e-commerce store. So that was probably... The biggest thing we've come up against is how to make it simple, which is Sarah's point. You know, Sarah's the tech girl, so I'll let her continue with that. But it is about how can we make this simple for people to get online? Yeah, I think, you know, just helping them to understand and to adapt to online selling, you know, it's such a big new thing for them. And, you know, yeah, yeah, they have no clue. Most of them, you know, just, just have no idea. So, you know, I think that was one of the biggest challenges as well of starting this marketplace, the support that we had to give to a lot of these sellers um, and we still are giving, you know, to help them set up their stores properly and to help them, you know, get online sales. So, Yeah, um, it's, it's interesting because pretty much all the information that you need to set up an online store can be accessed online, which should be available to everyone. Is it because there has been a reliance on community and a sense of loyalty in the community from a physical sense that there's never been this rush to go online? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. And also the 
the demographics of who owns stores in the bush. You know, there isn't, well, there's certainly in my towns that I look at now, there's a very small percentage of people who were born in technology as opposed to people of our generation that had technology happen to them. So it's whether or not they've been forthcoming in learning that sort of thing. But it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of, they've opened their doors. They know how to work a bricks and mortar store. But, you know, one of the biggest challenges we find come up again is searching. So uh, having people understand how people use search boxes or Google searches or searches on our actual platform. You know, if you put a product up and it says platypus, well, unless someone searches the word platypus, you're not going to come up. So what is it? That that visual thing of, you know, if they were in a store, they could pick it up, but they can't. So explain to me what the picture is. Pretend the picture's not there. Like that sort of real granular, this is how you need to be found online. Yeah, it makes sense. A lot of things we just take for granted, right? Mm. Can you give us a bit of an insight into some of your retails? Obviously, you can't play favourites, but to give our listeners an idea of the types of products and sellers that you'll find on the Spend With Us page, who are some of the retailers and products that have stood out for you so far? It's a really hard one. <laughs> there's so many. Um, there's so many like unique and different products, you know, that and um, that you know, I've never come across before as well. Um, a lot of our sellers have diversified their product ranges as well due to you know, the droughts and and, um, and coronavirus. One of them that stands out for me is, um, I think, Amy. Um, she runs a business called Anne Paper Arts, and she um, she has an alpaca farm. And you know, during the drought, she would do uh, well before the drought. She used to do paper making, and then she couldn't do that based with. Um, you know, the drought just stopped everything. So she diversified and she now has this whole range of products made from the alpaca fibre from um, the alpacas on her farm. She makes alpaca flowers and alpaca felted soaps, just these most amazing, beautiful products. That's very cool. Yeah, she is so cool. I love her business. Um, I guess one of the things we wanted to probably highlight of what our platform isn't, and it isn't an Australian-made platform, we are supporting rural and regional businesses despite the fact that they may not make their products. They might buy them from somewhere else, just like a normal retailer does, because I guess for me, if I look at my local town, if I took out every business that didn't make their own products, I've got a ghost town. So it was a really important value of ours to go, we want to support all rural and regional small businesses who fit our criteria, not just the ones that hand make. There's certainly some amazing soap makers and amazing jewelry makers. You know, I love Robindale Creations. She farms is that the right word mines mines the opal and then creates jewelry out of the opal like I just think she's got such an amazing story but there's also some really cool people who you know do great hampers and things like that as well like so they don't make all of those products but they certainly collect from their rural area and you know create hampers that you know highlight the entire area that they do. Yeah, nice. And have you found out anything about your shoppers that is interesting in terms of any different shopping behavior that you notice on the Spend With Us platform? Like, is there a more focus on buying from local retailers or going towards different product categories that's really surprised you? No, not really. I don't think I've noticed anything like that. I think, you know, we we get sales from all different types of products and we have people purchasing from all over Australia and 
yeah, people that want to support small, want to um, you know shop with these small businesses that have gone through, you know, been impacted by by different events. So yeah, um, what about- one of the um, really cool things of, that I think that our shoppers love and we see often is our site-wide gift cards. So you can buy a gift card for like $50, but you can spend it in any store, just like going to Amazon or something like that. You're sort of only checking out once. You can buy buy from anyone that you want. So it's just not you buy a gift voucher from this person and you have to spend it with that person. So we've had some great corporates come on board and do that as gifts for their staff or for their customers and clients and things like that. But that that's interesting to watch how many people kind of think, oh, I could buy a gift voucher just for this store or I could buy a gift voucher for the whole platform and then my recipient gets to choose. So that's been um, one of the good things that I think that we've done is, uh, you know, allow that to happen or invent that, I guess, because the whole thing's been invented as we've gone along, as we've learnt what people want. It's a great idea. And one of the things that I love too, and it's similar to uh, what we had Welcome to Country on a couple of months ago, is that it's not just physical products, but you're also selling experiences in there as well. Yeah, yeah. There's um, experiences, um, accommodation, activities. You know, we, we even have like a pay it forward section on the, on the website where people can, you know, purchase vouchers that then get passed on to um, you know, locals that are in need in those areas. So, yeah. I love the pay it forward concept. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more around how you came up with that and how it works? Um, so, yeah, I, I came up with it. That was one of the first things that we started when the bushfires were, were on and when the marketplace first launched um, because a lot of the small businesses at the time, you know, they, couldn't, um, they couldn't afford to pay their staff, they couldn't afford to, uh, to pay rent, all, all sorts of different things. So they needed to have a way where they could you know, get some virtual donations, I guess. So a lot of them at the time, they, they did things like you could buy a virtual coffee or um, a virtual meal or you could pay for a virtual um, uh, staff's wages as well, things like that. And then we had other businesses that came on and you were selling vouchers that people could purchase could then be passed on to locals to use for things like tires or you know other other essential items in the in the um, bushfire-stricken areas so yeah it's basically just an expression of an act of kindness that people can do if they're looking for you know a nice gift or or a way to support um a small business community yeah nice and what i really like about the way that you've put it up on the website is that it's obviously the product that you can buy but you connect it into the retailer and also the community it's going into yeah no, absolutely yeah and i know you know so many of the um small businesses that utilize the pay it forward section you know we're really grateful um and it's made a big difference in a lot of those communities Brilliant. And as a marketer, of course, storytelling is just so important to really engage that person to sort of get them to know a little bit about the business, maybe a little bit about the town, how the business started, how important their donation is, or just buying the product. That's a really important part of what we're trying to build because, yeah, we have a marketplace and, yes, we want people to come and buy from the marketplace, but we want to build a community as well. So that's really important part of that community building is that storytelling. And I can imagine there's a bunch of education that you need to do, not only on the technology side, but also in the storytelling side when selling online that you can't do in person that that a lot of your retailers would be used to. You're both consultants in the digital and marketing space. What tips do you give to your retailers to present their story and their products in the best light online? 
I guess from a marketing point of view, it's showing your face. There are so many small business owners that hide behind their products, that hide behind their logos. So for me, it's kind of like, let's, you know, start showing up, show your face, whether it's on our platform or on social media, really give people that opportunity to know, like, and trust someone. Yeah, I'd say the same. And, um, you know, to make it personal um, and tell a story and also uh, use keywords within your product listings and um, you know, your store descriptions, you know, that people are searching for so people can actually find your products and um, and know what your business is all about. Because yeah. there's been a real change of what we've seen since we started this, but also, you know, as both rural people, there's been a real change of how people want to support small businesses and small rural businesses. And that storytelling, you know, can really pull at the heartstrings to get the sale, I guess, and to let people into that community as such. But we've seen a real, like, they no longer just want to donate to a charity. They now know that if they spend with the actual person, it actually goes to them. They don't have to wait for a charity to make a distribution of all the money that they've raised or something like that. So I I really feel that Australia has shifted its values that way. Yeah, that's right. People want to feel good when they're buying it. It's not just about the product that they receive. There's an interesting one that you brought up around faces. I had a client that we were working with last week, actually, and they're a motorbike client and they sell a lot of helmets, motorcycle gear, motorbikes, the whole lot online. But the challenge for them is that everyone that was featured on the website had a big motorcycle helmet over their face. So you literally could go through the website and not see one pair of eyes coming back to you. And it makes such a difference. Like it sounds like a silly thing to go, you need to have eyes on your website, but people actually do make a real connection to that that face connection. Yeah, absolutely. You can have some fun with that. I could think of some really cool videos to do with that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's not, not as fun when you ask people to ride around without motorcycle helmets. It, um, it doesn't translate well. No, no, don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now, Sarah, I'd love to hear from you from a technical perspective. What was your approach when setting up uh, the foundations of this marketplace? So as I'm a web designer and developer by trade, um, I yeah, when when I decided to make it, um, it took me about seven days, I think, you know, day and night, basically, mm-hmm. to try and get this um, marketplace up, the first version of it. <laughs> and I knew that something needs to be up quickly because these small businesses that were contacting me, you know, needed an online space really fast. So, yeah, the first version of the marketplace was um, a bit clunky and so on, but um, but it worked. And, and we've just been working on introducing new features and we've got so many more things to to bring to it, you know, um, in, in the coming days and weeks. And did you develop it from scratch or did you buy technology off the shelf and start integration? Um, so I developed it from scratch, but I did use a um, multi-vendor marketplace software um, as my back end to, to build around. Because, yeah, developing that completely from scratch would have taken more than seven days. So, <laughs> yeah. But um, it was my first time building a multi-vendor marketplace. Like I've built a lot of e-commerce sites before, but um, building a multi-vendor one was a bit different. And, you know, um, even now I'm still learning lots of new tricks on how, how everything works and how it should work and, and what used to do that. And so, yeah. Right. And of course, the more we earn, like the more members we get on, um, the more we can invest in these sorts of things. Like we have a wish list of things that we would like to do with the marketplace that we just have to, you know, I guess as volunteers for this, 
perhaps uh, somewhat when it first started, we needed to wait till there was a little bit of income, then reinvest a little bit more, reinvest. So our chat group is often filled up with, uh, you know, colourful language of things that isn't quite working the way we want it to do and how are we going to hack that? <laughs> <laughs> what what have been some of the biggest learnings from a technical or UX perspective so far? I guess uh, lots of different things, you know, like um, uh, we didn't realise, you know, like there's lots of different um, options for shipping, you know, trying to get, um, get that set up and to make it easy for sellers to use as well. And I think, yeah, shipping is one of the things that always... Yeah, um, <laughs> it's, it's a huge challenge. Just lots of um, different things, you know, that once, you know, uh, once the site's out there that, you know, we want to do to make, you know, things easier for, for searches, for, um, you know, for sellers to be able to, you know, promote their products as well. So, yeah, it's just been, um, it's a constant learning curve. <laughs> I can imagine that the UX would be very tricky because you're kind of dealing with two different UX mindsets. You've got the UX of the customer who's shopping the site, but probably more important importantly, is the UX of the retailer who's using online for the first time trying to upload and manage a store. Yeah, no, absolutely. And trying to, um, you know, we've created a lot of instruction guides, so it's hopefully easy. And we have a store wizard that as soon as they get on online, you know, set up and, and register for their store, they go through the store wizard that helps them to set up, you know, the, um, their logo, um, you know, create their store descriptions and, and, and everything. But, you know, yeah, adding the products and doing the settings for tax, for shipping, for all those kind of things. You know, it's a big learning curve for a lot of them to, to learn how to do it and how to set it up properly. So. Yeah, like one of the little issues we come up against a couple of months ago that we kind of discovered was that people could put products on the site and not have their shipping set up. So from a UX point of view, someone could come, I really like that, you know, fluffy teddy bear, put it in their cart and all of a sudden they couldn't check out because the person hadn't set their shipping. So then it was like a matter of Sarah introducing some code to say, you can't have your store live until you've set up your shipping and then going back and finding out all the people that hadn't got shipping and contacting them and then archiving their products or having them fix it. Like there's those things that until they happen, you know, being two people that haven't really done this before, we don't know until we know type of thing. And then it's a matter of, okay, how can we fix that? And at the moment, you know, we're trying to write some code or we, there's no such word as we, Sarah. <laughs> Sarah is trying to, you know, they're doing an integration so that we can integrate with other e-commerce platforms so that the user only has one inventory then that they have to manage rather than managing it with us and managing it with them. And, you know, for me, it's just like, why is this taking so long? Like, seriously, but, you know, I'm no coder. So, you know, it'll happen. <laughs> and Sarah, with there's obviously platforms out there like Marketplace uh, and there's Shopify apps and that can do forms of marketplaces was there a reason that you went down the custom coding path look i'm a wordpress designer and developer that's what i and um, that's what I, my speciality is and so i'm i know how to change things how to fix things using wordpress so that was what i wanted to stay with and i wanted to have control over the different functionalities and features that i knew would be useful for our vendors and customers so by staying with commerce and wordpress you know that was that was my aim so yeah, and obviously trying to do it as leanly as possible at the start to build up the profile. And and it'll turn into an asset for you that can differentiate you as well, right? Uh, hopefully, yes. <laughs> <laughs> mustard made, make lockers. Get that? Mustard made, made lockers. No, mustard made, make lockers. Mustard made, make lockers. 
But these aren't your typical old sandwich in the back Pam Anderson poster on the inside lockers. These are beautiful, bright lockers that are in demand all over the world. So in demand that when Mustard Made went to expand from the AU and UK into the US, they needed a platform that would handle the expansion. And down the hallway skates Shopify Plus. Mustard Made implemented Shopify Plus in just two weeks, including a new wishlist feature, upsell features in cart, and personalized product recommendations. The result was a successful US launch and an increase in average order value of 15%. That takes them straight to the top of the class. To read more of Mustard Made's story and see other case studies, visit the customer sections on shopify.com.au forward slash plus. Now, the pricing model for this, I was a little surprised by. So as a retailer, the top tier listing is very accessible. You've made this very, from a financial perspective, easy for, for regional businesses to get on board. $250 a year with no transaction fees as the top tier seems like a pretty good deal to me. How did you land on that price point? I guess we wanted to make it affordable for smaller micro businesses to get online, you know, and to have a store that can bring in traffic and sales. And that was probably one of the um, one of the reasons that we have kept our prices, you know, low compared to other other platforms. And um, you know, the whole reason we started this platform and community was to help and support small businesses that were you know, going through difficult times. So you know, we didn't want to outprice outprice those. And Jen, have you got? <laughs> I think I think you've hit the nail on the head. It was really like if we want to really stick to our values of why we started this, then yes, it needs to start generating some income. A, so eventually Sarah and I can take a wage from it, but B, so because we need to reinvest in these things because you know, there are things that we want to do. And I guess we're bootstrapping it as much as we possibly can, but it needs to sort of become a self-sustaining model and a, a profitable model, of course. So we didn't want to outprice ourselves in the marketplace where it wasn't accessible to that micro small business owner that we know so many of because we live out here in you know in the country yep and it's probably not going to be the only cost for them right if they're going online for the first time there's probably product photography content the whole lot that will go in behind it as well yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, hopefully as our platform grows, then, you know, I guess, you know, we know how many we want. And, you know, when we worked out the equation of, okay, so at 247, how many do we need? At 147, how many do we need, you know, to reach the financial goals that we've set for the business? So we were comfortable with that. And yeah, it's nice to hear a different op- opinion from someone who perhaps, uh, you know, is looking at it for the first time as to its accessibility because I guess that's exactly the reason why we made it what we made it. Do you get feedback that it is too expensive? Uh, for some of our sellers, um, yeah. <laughs> but there's a lot of a lot of people, I guess, you know, you kind of expect a lot of things for free these days. You know, there's a whole freemium, freemium mindset. Yep. But, you know, most of our sellers really feel that they're getting so much value from from what we're getting. So, you know, we've had lots of, lots of sellers. We do have a free plan as well. So a lot of them, you know, 
we've had people that sign up on a free plan and then within within a month or so, you know, they've upgraded to the to the premium plan because they see the benefits. Yeah. And we did. And that's probably why, you know, in July this year, we introduced our monthly plans so they can pay $20 a month or $30 a month because 247 might be a lot for someone to pull out straight away, but they feel that $20 a month, which at the end is going to cost them more money or $30 a month, but they feel that that's how they can, uh, you know, better off with their budget budgets and their cash flow. So, you know, we are listening to our audience. We are trying to do what's right for them, but also, you know, suit the financial model that we need to make, uh, you know, this marketplace continue to grow. Uh, that makes total sense. And talking about listening to your audience, you've got the, um, was it 360,000 Facebook group? Ah. 340. Come on. <laughs> oh, well, in my notes here, I've got 300. So you've already taken up 40,000. <laughs> did the Facebook group come before the marketplace? It did. It did. So I started that in October 2019. So basically, buy from the bush was a trending hashtag at the time. But what I knew of my clients being, you know, a social media and marketing person in rural Australia is that no one really knew Instagram and didn't really understand what a hashtag was or how to use it or how to get traction from it. So the thought just sort of come to me of, well, everyone knows how to use Facebook and a Facebook group. So that's how that came about. So it was a, a couple of months, I guess, you know, that was pre-Christmas and what Sarah did was just after Christmas, of course, as the bushfires really raged. Great. We recently had Bryony from Adorn Beauty and they've got, they've had great success with a private Facebook group as well. They're at 5,000, but they've got some really like passionate people in there around their beauty brand. And she gave the recommendation that it is one of their best marketing tools in getting to know their customers. What have you found out about your customers through those groups, through that group, sorry? That they need things to be easy, that they, you know, both from our customers' point of view and their customers' point of view. Also that people are starting to Oh, distrust is the really bad word. I don't know what word I need to use here, but this whole DM me just isn't flying anymore. People want a secure checkout. So people want to be able to click to a website or a marketplace like ours, check out where it says, you know, this is secure and, you know, do their transactions that way rather than that more Facebook marketplace where it's, you know, you DM the person and do the transaction and, you know, hand over the cash or, you know, do a bank deposit or something like that. So we're finding that that's a real trend. So people want it to be easy, but they also want it to be secure. Yeah, nice. How, I love your tips. How How do you grow a Facebook group to that level? Like how much input do you need and how much fuel do you need to put on the fire to get that group really communicating well? Oh, look, I have a couple of Facebook groups and this is the exception, not the rule. I have to say that the timing of this particular Facebook group was perfect. People were really hurting. People really wanted to support the people who were hurting. And, you know, I remember, you know, the the days where it was like 5,000 members, woohoo, 10,000 members, we're awesome, 100,000 members, okay. <laughs> You know, it just grew so quickly and it grew because Nathan hopped in there and then Nathan invited all his friends and then his friends invited their friends and their friends invited their friends. Like it was basically the community aspect of it. And because we've always 
being quite harsh in that it's a safe space. So we're really quite harsh on people who get in there and do nasty comments or try and tear down a small business owner. You don't get many chances. And some people have come back at us that it's like, oh, you know, I didn't really mean it that way. It's like, well, no, sorry. This is a safe space for people who have really been through the ringer and back again. So, yeah, and I think that has created that real community feel as well, that people feel it is a space they can go sell their products. Because a lot of them that we've seen didn't even have a business. They were making beautiful products that mum or sister or auntie might have brought, but now the Australia wants to buy them. So they've kind of had to play catch up with this business that they have was a hobby and now all of a sudden is a business. So yeah, there's, I think it's the exception, not the rule. Like I've got other Facebook groups that are much, much, much less than that, but still just as engaged and beautiful as far as a community goes. So I think it's that community aspect that really helped. I think, you know, it's been quite inspirational as well to see um, there's been a lot of sellers that have joined the group and seen other sellers selling and then decided they could do the same thing. So they've started businesses based off of, you know, seeing other sellers um, thinking, thinking they can do something as well to bring money into their community. So yeah, absolutely. From an admin perspective, is it harder managing a really big group like this or is it harder managing a smaller group? Like does as a group gets bigger, does it kind of self-moderate at all or is that a dream? That's a dream. (laughs) I have grey hair because of that group. I have to say that personally I have seen the best and the worst of humanity through one Facebook group. There are some amazing people out there and there are some darn right horrible people out there. But it is like I as an admin group, we approve probably two to three hundred posts a day. We're monitoring comments uh certainly as we go through because sometimes we do let people in that aren't there for the spirit of the group. So it is it's a moving beast. And as of today Facebook changed all the rules on us so we are playing catch up again what rules change today (laughs) uh all public groups moved to an admin assist version so basically triggers and that that we had set up now we have to reset up Uh, basically people don't ask to join a group anymore they are automatic members or what did they call them uh, they're people now, not members. So, yeah, and they can post um, and comment without being a member of the group. So yeah, it's a, it's a very good. Thing. Oh, what's the what's the reasoning behind that? What are they trying to do here? Are we off air or on air? <laughs> <laughs> We're on air for the moment, but if it's really good, we might take it off. <laughs> Uh, my theory is that Facebook wants to push everyone into private groups and then charge for them. Yeah, okay, makes sense. Heard it here first. That's my theory. So because if you went private, you didn't lose any of the function that we've lost as a public group. And you can't change back to a public group. No, once you're in, you're in. Ah, gotcha. It makes sense because they haven't really monetized. No, they haven't. No, it's like herding cattle. But anyway... (laughs) <laughs> Bloody hell. And here we were. Maybe the whole metaverse was just a distraction for what they're doing with private groups. It's just a ploy. <laughs> it's just to get back at Jenny Donovan and Sarah Britz, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> we know what they're really talking about. Now, you've kind of touched on it before, but is there any personal stories that have stood out to you, people you've spoken to, whether that's retailers or communities or um, customers around the impact that you're making with Spend With Us? 
Um, for me, I've probably two stories that come to mind really quickly is one lady who was selling a CWA cookbook and she sold so many copies of that cookbook through Spend With Us, Buy From A Bush Business Marketplace that they got a new playground for their town. That's like cool. the CWA were able to donate, you know, all that money for a new playground. Like that's that's the essence of what we're doing. We're trying to build a community, trying to make a difference in communities. And so that was kind of like, ah, yeah, that that's it. That's exactly what we are trying to do for sure. And the other one that really stands out, which probably is a bit more of a heart tug, was a lady who lost her husband in a farming accident. And she just really felt like she found a community of like-minded people who knew what it was like and that were able to support her and, you know, comment on her posts and push it further and get some really good sales and, you know, just understand, you know, some of the setbacks of what living in rural Australia is. So they're two stories that I'll never forget those conversations that I've had. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, I mean, there's so many stories. You know, we, 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 we get so many um, sellers that um, have gone through so many you know, difficult situations. Um, I was trying to think of one. Uh, one that uh, always comes to my mind is someone called Cosmo. He started a business called Soaps by Cosmo. His family farm was hit by the bushfires, I think, in Bairnsdale in, in, in East Gippsland. And um, he's got Cosmo actually has Down syndrome. And after he was getting rejected when applying for jobs, he just decided he wanted to start his own soap business to make him feel part of the Australian workforce and to give him a chance of financial independence, especially you know, after the bushfires had happened. And you know, he set up his online store through STEM with us, and you know, it's just amazing. He's now got his products, I think, in, in some local supermarkets, um, uh, and he's just doing great. And you just see from his photos, you know, how happy he is that he's actually you know, making these beautiful soaps. I have some of them, they're just fantastic. So yeah, that's made me feel um, that's really one of my feel good stories. <laughs> oh, how good, how good. Okay, so we've got to wrap up. What's next for yourselves? And apart from your big technical wish list, what's <laughs> next for yourselves and spend with us? Um, well, uh, yeah, we just want to see spend with us grow. Um, that's my um, that's my big aim. You know, I'm spending a lot of time at the moment. We're working on some new, um, new features and functionalities for it. So, you know, hopefully in the new year there'll be um, you know a lot more amazing things and um, coming we want to be a household name Nathan basically we want everyone knows who Amazon is I want everyone to know who spend with us is uh, we want to get so big that we have to employ coders full-time to build a, a platform just for us that nobody else has uh, we just want to be a household name because you know just those three stories alone that we told that's the impact that we're having so imagine the impact that we could have if we could just become you know, known more and more out there and have more and more people come to our marketplace and, you know, spend their money, especially coming into Christmas time. We'd love more corporate support where people could buy, you know, site-wide vouchers for their staff or for their, you know, customers and clients. But it's really just brand awareness of what our message is and what we're trying to do. Makes sense. Now, it, we've got a lot of talented e-commerce people listening to this show. If they're hearing this and loving your mission and what you guys are doing, what kind of support are you looking for? You mentioned corporate support in terms of gifting, but is there any other support that you're looking for um, that you'd love people to reach out with if it's available? We're always interested in um, collaborations and partnerships and um, you know, 
sponsorships, anything like that. So we'd love to speak to any other e-commerce or corporate businesses, you know, that would be interested in supporting our mission and seeing what we could do. Just anyone who might have any ideas for us, like if they're in e-commerce that might be like, you know, I've seen this work really well. Like we are so open to ideas of how we can grow our platform and make it better. Like you said, you know, we've got two user experiences happening here. So yeah, like if we could talk to some like-minded people who kind of can uh, throw ideas around with this like we know where we would like we know what our wish list looks like but you know if anyone else has any ideas of what should be on the wish list yeah we'd love to chat to people like Sarah you know this is our first opportunity to do a multi-vendor marketplace even though Sarah's built many custom-built e-commerce sites but yeah just reach out, have a chat to us. We are always open to chatting to people that, you know, might have some great advice for us. Be careful what you wish for. I know we've got a lot of people with a lot of ideas, so <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> it's got to go on the list though. That's right. <laughs> All right. And what's the best way for people to get in touch? Probably through our support email, so support at spendwithus.com.au or through our um, Facebook or Instagram pages. You know, send us a DM that way. If you head to our marketplace, uh, you can find all our contact details or fill in a form there. And um, yeah, we, we love Zooms. Like Sarah and I actually live oh, about seven hours from each other. We've only ever met once and that was in March uh, earlier this year. But other than that, you know, we sort of started our partnership with people we didn't know. So we, uh, you know, we love Zoom. We're on it all the time. You are, you, you excel at remote work. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Jen and Sarah, thank you so much for sharing what you're doing at Spend With Us. We love what you're doing and supporting the the regional and rural communities in Australia. It's obviously needed and and some of those stories you share with us today show how important the work is that you're doing. So thank you for sharing your story on Add to Cart. Thanks for having us. Thanks so much, Nathan, for having us. been great. There you go. I love how the two talents of someone owns a massive Facebook marketplace, someone's a great designer and developer, they both have a shared passion about helping rural businesses come together and launch something as incredible as this. Well done to Sarah and Jen. All right, here are the three takeaways that I took away from this chat. Number one, stay true and stay focused. As you heard from Jen, There were so many opportunities to expand their marketplace beyond rural businesses. However, they've said no to a lot of things for two reasons. They're a small team and they're on a mission. I always talk about opening boxes. Be careful of the boxes that you open because they all require work. These guys know what their mission is and they're going after it. Number two, faces create connections. Now, whether you are a founder who is the face of the business you have partnerships with influencers, or you just like showing people enjoying your product. Showing real people with real eyeballs alongside your product immediately increases the connection and conversion you have with your audience. Do not underestimate the power of online eye contact. Number three, don't assume. While building their marketplace software from scratch, Sarah assumed that retailers would be able to easily understand and implement their shipping options. Only they were, they were doing this for the first time. They didn't understand the shipping options. So she created prompts and instructions on how to do it. When introducing new functionality, don't just assume your audience will know how to use it. Think about where they're coming from and plan for the worst case scenario. 
To finish up, I have three resources for you. Firstly, if you're a first-time listener of Add to Cart and you want to stay up to date with new episodes, head over to addtocart.com.au and you can sign up for our weekly newsletter. We'll let you know every time a new episode drops as well as giving you my three takeaways from each episode and a link to the transcripts so you can know that this is an episode that you want to dive straight into. Secondly, if you want a weekly roundup of the best e-commerce case studies, tools, and research, sign up to the High Five Friday newsletter, which is delivered to inboxes at 8 a.m. every Friday morning. I read all the e-commerce news and send you the bits that I think you can take action from. Sign up at 12high12high.com.au forward slash high five. And the last thing, if you are looking to explore your next e-commerce opportunity, head over to esuitetalent.com.au. We are a dedicated e-commerce talent agency connecting the best e-commerce talent with the fastest growing brands. Check it out, sign up to the email and get in touch with me if you want to discuss your next move. Until next time, thanks for listening and keep those customers adding to cart.